Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello there, my very good friends. On today's wrestling news, Edge is heading to AEW. According to WWE, a major reunion on last night's episode of Dynamite means big changes for All In. We've got the latest on rumors of Keith Lee walking out of AEW. And finally, wrestling legend Terry Funk has passed away at 79 years old. I'm Andy, this is the news, and we're going to kick things off by delivering the latest in this uh, Edge saga, and quite the saga it's turning into. Um, to context, to just fill you in, in case you've been living under a rock, uh, Edge wrestled the final match of his current WWE contract against Sheamus on Friday's episode of SmackDown. Edge claims that his contract's expiry date is sometime in September. For all intents and purposes, for now, he appears done with his WWE obligations. AEW has inevitably come up in this conversation. It's competition, the biggest competition in the US. Tony Khan loves Edge. Tony Khan offered Edge a deal before Edge went back to WWE in 2020. So of course, there are going to be links. We today have the uh, most comprehensive report on those links so far from Wade Keller of Pro Wrestling Torch. Um, Here's what happened with Edge in WWE, according to Keller. Edge said, hey, WWE, this is what it would take for me to re-sign. Presumably, that would mean dollar amounts, schedule stuff, I don't know, various factors. WWE declined to take Edge up on that offer, so it sounds, for now, like he isn't renewing. As a result of this, people within WWE are now of the belief that Edge is heading to AEW because AEW, what they can afford, what they can offer him. Um, Obviously, Tony Khan has never been shy of opening the checkbook for for big names wherever possible, and that could be set to continue here, obviously, as well, over in AEW. Edge is, you know, he's quite good friends, I think, with that Christian Cage guy. I've seen them hanging about a couple of times. Uh, He's mates with FTR. I'm sure he's got a bunch of other friends over there as well. So the links are very understandable, and Tony Khan is a huge fan of the bloke. So there you go. It's noted in this Pro Wrestling Torch uh, report here that WWE officials don't resent the possibility of Edge going over there, uh, and of course, why would that would be so petty, wouldn't it? Um, particularly like after the highs of this current run, which has been like a real celebratory tour that many people, WWE included, must have never thought would be able to happen. Uh, it's been a lot of feel-good stuff across the board, so it'd be pretty mean to go, hey, screw you, Edge, you jumped ship, man, that's not cool. Um, but it's, I think it's a very interesting situation nonetheless. PW Torch note as well, uh, yeah, Tony Khan's a huge fan, and he would obviously see value in using Edge either as a wrestler or in a different role uh, in the company. So there you go. This is a whole deal. Um... 
Obviously, AEW is the big show all in this weekend. If Edge is telling the truth about his contract expiring in September, he can't appear on all in. It'd be some kind of violation of contract. And I don't think he would do that uh, to WWE. I think he'd be respectful of the, the terms of his deal and stuff. But hey, who the heck knows? Maybe he'll go rogue. Um, <laughs> I can't see that happening. But yeah, I'm, I'm quite surprised actually, personally, to see these links strengthen. Because yes, there's always going to be speculation that someone's going to the other company when they leave one. I thought it would be likelier that Edge would re-sign with WWE or even retire altogether. Now, those aren't off the table as possibilities at this stage, but it's very interesting to hear these links. And personally, I think that big names jumping between companies is for the good of the business. It makes it exciting for us as fans. And it's really intriguing to think of somebody like Edge, who has primarily wrestled for one company in the mainstream for all of his career, aside from what he was doing before WWE, of course. Uh, it's really interesting to think about him in a different environment, uh, in the same way that, that my colleague Michael Hamflit was like, hey, Kenny Omega and WWE, that'd be interesting because it's so different to what he's done before. Let us know what you think down below, friends. Do you, do you want to see Edge jump ship? Would you rather see him stay poop? It's, it's a really interesting situation. It's probably the biggest free agent saga that's going to play out this year. And um, I'm looking forward to the outcome, whatever the case. I think that if the Sheamus match was Edge's last one, it was really, really good and a fitting way to go out. I do wish they'd made a bit of a bigger celebration of it. But hey, listen, it was good. I can't complain too much. Let's move over to last night's episode of Dynamite. Santana's back and he's in Stadium Stampede. That's good. This kind of follows on from earlier in this week. We covered the, the Fightful report that noted that after over a year on the sidelines, remember he tore his ACL in blood and guts last year, Santana had been cleared to return to AEW. And last night that played out on television. Adjustments in the Stadium Stampede have come around. We reported, or we covered the story on Ray Phoenix yesterday. He's out of the match. Blackpool Combat Club kicked his ass last night and, and, and sent him away in a stretcher and all of this stuff. So Ray Phoenix is out. It's now a five-on-five five match. The Blackpool Combat Club's three mystery partners became two mystery partners to kind of even those numbers out. And they are Santana and Ortiz, who are back together, at least on screen. The way that angle played out was that Eddie Kingston and Penta were trying to come down the ring to help Phoenix as he was getting his ass kicked by the Blackpool Combat Club. Um... Ortiz came out and stopped them on the ramp, which caught Eddie by surprise because they go way back and they're friends and yada, yada, yada. The music hit, Santana came out and they kicked everyone's ass. So that was really cool to see. Um, now, Fightful in their report did indicate that there was no word on, sorry, that, that at least at the time that Santana was cleared, Ortiz and Santana, it had been indicated to them, had not patched things up. Of course, they had a personal falling out last year. Um, over whatever that may have been. Now, there's no words that they've actually been able to, to overcome whatever that issue was. Uh, obviously, they did work together on screen, like for a while, after their apparent backstage disagreement, whatever it was over. So it's not without the, the realm of reason that maybe they're just working together to be professional again. Who the heck knows? Either way, I am delighted to see both of these gentlemen back on screen. This is one of my favorite tag teams in AEW, personally. I'm sure a lot of you are the same. I genuinely do hope that they've been able to, to repair their, their relationship behind the scenes. But it's obviously, personal matters are very difficult, and it's, it would be wrong of us to any of 
sit here and go, hey, just make up, you, you silly sausages. Nah, none of that. These gentlemen should do whatever is best for them in their respective situations. If that means teaming together and being buddies again, I love that. If it means maybe they're going to go their separate ways after Stadium Stampede, I'm totally cool with that as well. Love them. Glad they're back. Really looking forward to Stadium Stampede a whole lot more now. Not that I wasn't already, but hey, you had a couple of my favourites. It's a natural thing. Let's move over to Keith Lee. Now, if you were uh, lurking in the murky depths of uh, social media yesterday, you may have seen some rumors about Keith Lee walking out of AEW. In fact, they, I think they were going around a little bit before yesterday as well, but that's when they intensified. Talk about Keith Lee walking out, leaving the company, all of this stuff. Yeah, total rubbish. <laughs> Shockingly, uh, the internet has got a bit carried away. And look, I'm well aware that we on this channel get carried away sometimes as well. Don't, don't, don't come at me. Um, Fightful Select coming through with the report, noting that Keith Lee had not locked out of AEW. He'd not quit the company last week, as had been speculated. But there was a miscommunication at last week's tapings. Uh, Dynamite and Rampage taped on the same, same night. Keith Lee was at those tapings. He was told during them that he was not needed for Dynamite, so he went home. This is not uh, unusual. This, this happens quite often, apparently, when wrestlers are told you're not needed for the show. You can go home, it's fine. Um, but Keith Lee was needed for the Rampage taping, which would have happened after Dynamite, presumably. Um, but he wasn't told this before he left, and that meant that there was that miscommunication there. They weren't on the same page with regards to the information, and that meant that Rampage had to be rewritten a little bit. So there was a bit of a miscommunication there, for sure. Uh, but according to Fightful, uh, there's no heat over the matter. And uh, surprise, surprise, uh, sources indicate that the situation was completely blown out of proportion. On top of this, uh, not to spoil uh, things too much, but Keith Lee, uh, obviously last night they taped Collision. Yeah, Keith Lee was on that show. So, you know, he's still in AEW, quite clearly. I think uh, Keith Lee has had um, perhaps not quite the AEW run a lot of people would have hoped for. I think that's fair to say. Be that through booking concerns or or perhaps even the, the man himself. Look, Keith Lee went through a very serious health incident uh, while he was still with WWE. In fact, he, he claimed that he came close to death as a result of that and you know, he had to overcome some incredibly tough challenges so hey lord knows i i have no idea uh about the man's personal life i just wish him well because he's a very talented dude and he seems like a really nice like just a good soul as well so always want the best for keith lee the swerve singles match at some point i i would still like to see that but maybe maybe the moments pass but glad keith lee is still there hope he's doing well hope he's feeling good Hope he gets a push sometime. That'd be nice. That'd be really, really swell. We're going to talk now a little bit, or probably quite a lot, actually, um, about the passing of Terry Funk, uh, the pro wrestling legend. Sadly died uh, yesterday at 79 years old. Uh, the first I saw of this certainly was through uh, Mick Foley's tweet. He had spoken to Terry's daughter, Brandy, uh, and he paid tribute, obviously, to his mentor, his friend, the legend, the icon, uh, Terry Funk. So, now where do you begin summarizing a legacy like Terry Funk's? I think it's kind of impossible within the confines of a video like this. So, let's just try and hit some key points. The guy debuted, man. It was 19, mid-1960s under his father, Dory, in the Amarillo territory. And he wrestled all the way through into the 2010s. He competed in like six individual decades. He was competing into his 70s. Um... By his 50s, he was still, you know, 
a really relevant force in modern mainstream wrestling and adapting to the world around him, which was one of his greatest strengths throughout his entire life. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Long, huge career. Terry wasn't one of these wrestlers, these older wrestlers who... When the sport evolves and moves beyond the thing that they came up in, they maybe don't see the the merits of it or they become bitter towards it. That was the opposite of Terry Funk. He could see these things, these changes coming miles off, and he would adapt himself to those to stay relevant and, more importantly, help the current scene, the younger scene, the up-and-comers, the emerging companies, help them rise. You think to uh, probably quite relevant to our audience would be his time in ECW as it transitioned from Eastern Championship Wrestling to Extreme Championship Wrestling. He was instrumental in helping that company establish its foothold and establish its following as one of the preeminent wrestling promotions on the zeitgeist of the entire scene uh, in the 1990s. And even more relevant to our audience is probably, you can think as recently as like uh, One Night Stand 2006, where he called back to uh, the My Eye spot from the from the empty arena brawl with Jerry Lawler and entered just this insane performance at 61 years old, closing on one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in pro wrestling, him wrapped up in the barbed wire, bloodied up, shrieking in agony. And that wasn't all that long ago. The, the man was 61. 
like I've just said, but you go back even further. There, there's not a single thing that Terry Funk could not do in pro wrestling. He was an incredible singles wrestler, working feuds against Ric Flair in 1989, all-time classics in one of the best years of both men's career. You can go back to his tag work, uh, teaming up with his brother, Dory Funk Jr., facing teams in Japan like Abdullah the Butcher and the Sheik. Just foundational work. And it goes through decades and decades as well. The man has classics in the 70s with people like Jumbo Saruta. You go through the 80s, the 90s. It's an insane, incomparable career. And, you know, something that speaks volumes about it is that on the channel, we often say when a pro wrestling pro wrestler retires, look, Terry Funk is the, the, the rule uh, that shows that you can never truly take a retirement seriously because Terry had so many of them and he came back and he stayed relevant and he reinvented himself. He was the master of that. He's one of the best baby faces of all time with that trademark jelly leg selling just classic work time after time after time and he's an incredible heel as well and you know the most remarkable thing about his heel style for me is that again he could do it all he could be a sniveling coward he could be a complete terrifying lunatic he could do everything in between he could do comedy as well obviously a lot of people will know him as the hardcore legend and that's another example of his reinvention a deathmatch pioneer the, the exploding deathmatch with Anita my favorite example of that genre personally and you know there is not a single pro wrestler on the planet that could not pick something up by watching even just one Terry Funk match and there's not a single wrestling fan on the planet either who could not learn something from watching Terry Funk, be it a promo, be it the empty arena angle slash brawl slash whatever you want to call it with Jerry Lawler, be it some of those classic matches. The Ric Flair stuff in 1989 is my particular favourite and I would encourage you to check all of that out. It's on the network, it's accessible, it's sensational. So... Yeah, this was a hard-hitting one uh, across the board for a lot of people. You'd have seen it yourselves if you were online at the time, the tributes pouring in. And um, yeah, man, like, realistically, realist, sorry, realistically, this is, this is a tough one to encapsulate. When you consider the greatest wrestler of all time, a lot of names get thrown into that conversation, and I think that's great. I think it's fantastic that so many people have different opinions on who the GOAT is and... and you know, uh, people are so invested in a lot of modern examples. Uh, Kenny Omega is a name that comes up quite a lot. Brian Danielson, just the people who are still active, those are common names that come up. For me, Terry Funk, uh, when it comes to American wrestlers, it's him and Ric Flair, personally. I think if you want to talk about influence, longevity, adaptability, versatility, uh, the ability to just stay totally relevant in any scenario and reinvent himself over and over, being a major draw on two continents, completely reshaping the face of Japanese wrestling and just being the ultimate impact player in American wrestling as well. It's really hard to argue against Terry Funk's case. So rest in peace to one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time. It's a very, very sad situation, but a hell of a career, a hell of a life. My thoughts and condolences go to his friends and family. Terry Funk forever. Man, what a career, what a life. I love Terry Funk. Let's go over to our Twitter questions for the day. And uh, these ones, so I've said Twitter again. These ones come from the YouTube community. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Terry Funk, man. 
gets me going. Let's let's go through these. Uh, we got a couple of relevant ones today. Uh, the first one comes from Keith Boss, uh, 1729. Does it seem like All Out will have a more entertaining card than All In? I'm already more stoked for Miro versus Hobbs than anything on this weekend's card other than the better than you baby stuff. I think that's, uh, I think all criticisms towards the All In card are very fair. Uh, personally, for me, I'm fired up as hell and uh, I'm not letting the concerns kind of get to me so much. But I think, yeah, like there are immense difficulties as we've seen when you have two pay-per-views one week after the other. And we are seeing that now in the booking for sure because the bulk of the All Out card is going to be announced on like three or four days notice. Uh, and that's a problem. Now, obviously, AEW booked these shows, so... They kind of created this problem. At the same time, I would imagine that booking Wembley Stadium is a very complicated issue and maybe they just had to settle for the date that was available. So a little leeway there as well. But um, I don't think your stance is incorrect at all, my friend. I think a lot of people will be in the same boat and using an 80,000 seater show to set up for a smaller one the next week is kind of backwards. We'll see how the chips land. I'm looking forward to both. Going to Wembley, how can I not be excited about that? Uh, let's move over to our next question. It's from Tungsten Arm, who asks, uh, the main event of All In was a matter of great debate when the show was announced, but who would you like to see open the show? Obviously, we've got Cole and MJF in the main event. Uh, it could be a great time to finally let the woman get the opening pop, but I have a terrible feeling it's going to be the Jericho match. Um, yeah, I, I think opening with the women's four-way is actually a really good idea because the crowd's going to be invested from day one. Obviously, Soraya's in the match as well. Uh, local hero, all that stuff. So yeah, I think it's a really good idea. Uh, and also, the opening match should be a coveted spot on these cards. After you get through the pre-show and you open the main show proper, you are setting the tone for the whole blooming event. So I think that that is a lovely idea. I think it'd be a good way to do it. Uh, I, I have no idea who's winning that match. If they'll give Saria the, the home country win or or if uh, she does going to retain. I don't really know. Maybe there'll be some interesting stuff uh, with Tony Storm in there and Britt Baker as well. So that's what I would go with personally. I think you might be onto something with the Jericho match opening the show with him playing Judas. Okay, interesting. Uh, look, I think Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay is going to be great. I think it's going to be transcendent, even. Uh, I think this is going to be a match that we're going to be raving about for years and years to come. Uh, clip this and at me if I'm wrong on Sunday night. I don't think I'm going to be, though. I think it's going to rule. Jericho and Osprey. Final question today comes from uh, Big Jezzer, uh, <laughs> 7 who asks what's your funny or favorite funny or weird wrestling theme mine is john morrison's uh lana <laughs> you know the one it it sounds like the opposite of a pro wrestling theme and that's why it kind of rules it sounds like a jingle like some production music a company would buy from some agency and put on an advert on the television for like buy one loaf of bread get two free or something um, it, it's so weird and I kind of miss Lana being on TV if not, if only for that um, it's a really funny one uh, Brie mode always gets me as well it's so strange and lifeless and, and freaky that it's almost good uh, it's like it, it veers so far into bad territory that it almost magnets all the way back over um, and Gallus in WWE is another one it's like this slow southern rock song for a bunch of tough Scottish guys from Glasgow. <laughs> it's, it's, what are we doing? What's going on? Um, those are my three favorite weird wrestling themes. I'm sure there's 
loads and loads and loads that I'm forgetting. But hey, thank you for joining me for today's video. If you like this one, check this one out right here. Terry Funk forever. Rest in peace. I'll see you guys soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.